Hello, welcome to the Bottom Line Business Review podcast. We're glad you've joined us. I am Dia. I am Manya. I am Pranit. And I am Shaurya. Today, we're going to be dealing with a very interesting case. But before that, let's take a moment to answer this question. Would you sue Red Bull for not giving you wings? Well, somebody did. Let's dive into it. Intrigued, we were too. On Jan 16, 2013, plaintiffs Benjamin Carithers, David Wolf, and Miguel Almaraz sued Red Bull for not giving them wings. However, there's more to this case than that. In the case against Red Bull, it was alleged that the company made various claims to consumers about the superiority of their product compared to simpler and less expensive representations to highlight the perceived advantages of their drink. To support these claims, Red Bull published scientific studies. on their website demonstrated the superiority of their product however it was argued that these studies lack competent credible and reliable scientific evidence to substantiate red bull's claims in other words the lawsuit contended that the specific studies presented by red bull did not provide sufficient evidence to support the company's assertions about the product Red Bull spread this false information through email blasts, radio media, blogs, video news releases, and advertisements, allowing them to charge a premium price for their beverage. Thanks for that, Pranit. Let's talk about the case now. What is it? That's a good question. Think of your favorite brand. Got it? Great. Now, think of your favorite product made by that brand. Imagine the brand falsely advertising the product's characteristics. features and benefits that's exactly what red bull did the brand said that red bull gives you wings which isn't true that's the end of episode thank you for tuning wait not yet the false ad lawsuit started in 2013 when a us consumer benjamin carithers believed the company's slogan red bull gives you wings was false carithers knew the slogan was not meant to be literal but hinted at an energy boost Red Bull contains caffeine more than a cup of coffee does or that's what we thought as consumers Carithers soon discovered that a can of Red Bull contains less caffeine than a comparable quantity of coffee and knew that there were grounds for a lawsuit one can quote unquote has 80 mg of caffeine similar to a 250 ml cup of coffee at a hearing in 2014 a judge agreed with him Such deceptive conduct and practices mean that Red Bull's advertising and marketing is not just puffery but instead is deceptive and fraudulent and is therefore actionable. The lawsuit stated It continued even though there is a lack of genuine scientific support for a claim that Red Bull branded energy drinks provide any more benefit to a consumer than a cup of coffee The Red Bull defendants persistently and pervasively market their product as a superior source of energy worthy of a premium price over a cup of coffee or other sources of caffeine. Red Bull admitted no wrongdoing. That turned out to be a bad decision. What was the reason for this decision? What was the energy drink giant trying to do? Were they looking for ways and means to ignore the true meaning of the lawsuit? These are just a few questions we seek answers for. So let's dive into some further analysis of this case. The basis of the claims on which the lawsuit was formed stems from false marketing. While researching, I came across videos published on Red Bull's official YouTube channel called Red Bull Gives You Wings with 3 Eyes. Cheeky play on words, isn't it? 
This statement has been included in several recently released videos and some videos released by Red Bull about nine years ago, shortly after the lawsuit was brought into the limelight. After the lawsuit, the brand changed its quote-unquote falsely advertised tagline but did not seem to want a big switch on a statement which is a major aspect of the brand's identity. Older advertisements, as well as videos released by Red Bull, highlight cute, friendly, doodle-like characters performing short comedic plays. Most of these videos have gained over 100,000 views. These clips are some favorite nostalgic television advertisements amongst kids who grew up in the 2000s and 2010s, including some of us doing this podcast. They include characters like a superhero and a zebra, among others who drink the popular beverage, with most ideas revolving around fantasy and obvious exaggeration. Is this false marketing as well? I found something interesting in the company's response to the case. There is no proof of purchase required to avail of the $10 settlement, or if you choose to continue to trust the company with your health, a $15 voucher for Red Bull products is also available. What does this mean? Is Red Bull pleading guilty outside the courtroom? Or is this simply the brand's way of keeping consumers silent? Has Red Bull even changed their product to incorporate the necessary changes? Think about that. Let that sink in. Red Bull is giving people money. But what have they done to acknowledge defeat? Defeat by the everyday consumer. And a $15 voucher for more Red Bull goods? Are you trying to be cancelled, Red Bull? Think you can fly above all of this with your quote-unquote wings? It's pretty apparent that the giant is trying to protect their brand image. Or what is left of it. But what does that mean for the consumer? When are brands going to understand the power that consumers have? According to BevNet, Red Bull emailed the following statement in response to the settlement. Start quote, Red Bull settled the lawsuit to avoid the cost and distraction of litigation. However, Red Bull maintains that its marketing and labeling have always been truthful and accurate. And they deny any wrongdoing or liability. Isn't it wonderful when brands refer to themselves in the third person? You almost know there's something controversial coming next. There are many risks that Red Bull would have faced, but the deterioration of its brand image is the least of their problems. Even more lawsuits and payout claims were taken to court as the Carithers case progressed and people knew they were not on the wrong side of the debacle. They felt safe in knowing that they were going to win. I think Red Bull knew that they would face such issues, even in the long run, and thus decided to settle the case. We all know how that went for them. With many side effects, Red Bull might even have blood on its hands. With reports of caffeine overdose symptoms, such as seizures, dangerously high blood sugar, dizziness, rapid heart rate. I mean, the list just goes on. It never ends. I think Red Bull knew and still knows that what they sell is absolutely toxic. They just aren't doing anything about it. It's not like Red Bull employees have the time to drink Red Bull. Here's a quote from a company review page on Indeed.com. A former employee in Waddle, Arizona said, start quote, Work culture is terrible. The work environment is terrible. Red Bull sets expectations that they cannot even meet from management. And management expects workers to meet expectations that are unrealistic. End quote. 
When asked about their typical working day, they cited, start quote, you'll be standing around till 2 p.m. Then you'll start working for only an hour and a half. My shift was from 5 to 3.30 p.m., end quote. You can imagine the plight of such workers, slogging all day to make what is essentially poison for humans? Questionable, very. The work environment at some point was reported to be great. Many workers reported that they were treated well, given all the perks they deserve, and they had safe working conditions, along with healthy competition and rapports with their colleagues. What's interesting is that Red Bull's profits soared after the lawsuit debacle. Even if they had to pay $13 million, that was barely a dent on the actual value of assets and capital that they own. Red Bull could easily afford the payout and said it posted record profits of 501 million euros, which is $559 million in 2015, an increase of 35%, according to the economics magazine trend. Isn't that bizarre? Now let's hear from a special guest. She's a student studying law at the People's Education Society University, or in short, the PES University, situated in Bangalore, India. Hi, uh, today we have Charvi with us, and I'm going to start asking the questions. So the first question is, we know that Red Bull wanted to deal with this case as a settlement for publicity reasons and other reasons, perhaps. But who do you think would have won the case if they had taken it to court? See, I mean, it would require um, the court to go through a lot more uh, evidence and uh, a lot of other documents and statements to properly ascertain who would win and who would not. But looking at the uh, facts of the case as of now, it was the um, the district court which ordered the settlement to happen and it ruled in favor of the petitioners, which is uh, in th- that is the whole class. So uh, since the district court had already passed the order in favor of the petitioners, I think it would be safe to say that uh, the petitioners would win even if the case had gone further. So um, settlement was any day a wiser choice for Red Bull, because I think even when you look at the whole class, the number of people that constituted the class was a lot more. And the compensation was around um, $13 million, which would uh, reduce the compensation per person up to, I think, 10 or $20. That is all. So I think uh, Red Bull was at a great advantage by opting for the settlement and also for the people for having accepted that settlement because it couldn't have been more uh, lucrative for the business. Okay. Um, were the claims against Red Bull valid? Um, yeah, I would say that it was valid because when you look at advertising verbatim, you will understand that um, what Red Bull did was false advertising. That is, uh, or basically they overcompensated for what the product actually was, which um, is again un- is again uh, against consumer protection laws. And as consumers, um, we all have rights to uh, sue the companies if in case they are uh, falsely advertising any of the products. And this is not just with Red Bull. This had also happened with other uh, big brands like Dabur and L'Oreal, uh, wherein the FTC was also involved in the case of uh, L'Oreal. So I don't think this is the first time. And definitely the claims were valid to a certain extent. If not, the court would not have ruled in favor of the petitioners. Okay. 
And um, what does this case mean for future businesses? So when you look at future businesses, I think it's always important for any business, be it big or small, uh, to be very um, aware and also consumer friendly because consumers, without the consumers, there, there, there are no businesses. So it's very important for the businesses to consider the uh, sentiments of the consumers and also advertise their products accordingly. We do have regulatory authorities like ASCI in India. We have FTC, that is the uh, Federal Trade Commission in the US. And basically, there are a lot of regulatory bodies across the globe. And it is important for the companies and the businesses to comply with the requirements laid down by such regulatory bodies so that they avoid such fiascos in the future. And responsible advertising is any day preferred. It will also add to the company's goodwill if you know the companies are consumer-friendly and if they uh, take into account um, the needs of the consumers and advertise accordingly. So I would say that you know it is always best to avoid litigation or false advertising, which will lead to bad publicity and reduced goodwill. Instead, they can just comply with the laws and the regulations in place and uh, build their goodwill. Okay. Thank you for your time. That was very insightful. Thank you, Manya, for having me. Well, that was our first episode. That was so fun. That was very interesting. Good job, guys. Yeah. First, first podcast. Informative. We have a podcast now. Mm, that's crazy. <laughs> I'm so happy and excited. That's so crazy. Finally. That's really crazy. We've been working on this for a while. So yeah, we yeah, really yeah. have. Yeah. So yeah. it's nice that we finally got yes. to do it. It's, yeah. It's, it's been a minute since we've published something on the and internet. And we worked together on it, which was really nice. Yeah, yeah that was. It built the team collaboration and our strength of... <laughs> Leadership. What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 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 it did. Actually, it did. I agree with you. Thank you for listening to this independent student produced podcast. We are grateful for your continued patronage and for listening to our grassroots effort to present and analyze business cases and related themes. Follow us on social media, that is, Twitter and Instagram, as well as Facebook and LinkedIn. And you will be able to hear this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. Again, thanks for joining. We promise our next episode is coming soon. 